my same old, same old. Are them the glasses that protect you um, from the screen? Uh-uh. Child, these are some little $20 glasses. I get all my glasses off a place like called Goggle for You. This might be coming to your house to make all the noise and you tell them that you live, right? And so I get my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I get my glasses from a place called Goggles for You. And like literally, I buy like six pair of glasses and pay maybe like 60 bucks for them. Because they be buy one free. And then so with the prescription and everything, you can probably get a cute pair of glasses. Um maybe for like 60 bucks or 40 bucks, then they do buy one, get one free. Then you get pile on a coupon on top of it. So by the time you get through, you'll be having four pair of glasses, six pair of glasses, and you'll be paid you be under $100. Mm, now that's a blessing. Under $100. Yeah, so we are live, y'all. So you can go ahead to the Mahogany Project page if you want to. I'm about to invite people. Oh, yeah, let me go ahead and do that. Well, I'm about to start a watch party and invite people. What's going on, ladies? My apologies. Hello. Hey, boo. What's up? And did we get? Cause I, I've seen some people. Oh, oh we're online. What you about to start? No, I've seen some type of way to feed it, a different way into it. But um, feed what you mean? Feed the post into the into the um on Facebook. It was a different way. What you mean? Like as far as like being interactive with it. I don't know. No, I, I put it in the car. Oh, I listen. I just got here. That's true. We got it on tape. Baby girl's <laughs> girl giving them all today. Y'all giving mug dust. Y'all give a mugs today. We gotta be cute. We gotta be cute now. Okay. Gotta give them what they need through the quarantine. Uh -huh. Gotta give them what they need. I'm just seeing it in a few groups. All righty, all righty. Hey, hey, everybody. I know we got a few people watching now. Just wanted to say hey to everybody who's joining in and who's watching the show. Do us a favor. If you are watching now, please send some love. Um, like the show. Share it. All those beautiful things. It's very important. We really got a great show for y'all too. So I hope y'all excited. I hope y'all are ready to engage with us. And 
you know. We got a lot of alcohol. Well, I got a lot of alcohol. I can't speak for everybody else. We got a lot of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot. I can't speak for everybody else. I got a lot of alcohol. I got a lot behind me. <laughs> right. I'm like, Marnina got all the alcohol posted up behind her. I'm using it as wild decor. Okay. Okay. So welcome, y'all. We're going to go ahead and get started. We know y'all are already tuned in and y'all waiting. In. We don't want to keep y'all. What are you trying to share for? We'll put it on my on my wall. So go to the Biography Project page. Excuse me, y'all. I'm, I'm Give me a second. I'm going to work with a dinosaur over here for just a moment. I they take me in this. I'll be like, easy to share But that's not how I let you do it, pumpkin. Okay. Y'all be one of the easy way out instead of actually doing the work. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Everything is not gonna be easy. It's not gonna come to you just like that. It's not you're gonna be taking a nap and it's just gonna like, mm, you suppose you know it's what? not gonna do that for you. Come on, activism work. Come on. <laughs> oh, oh, like, oh, it let you share it, didn't you? It's not like putting you see what happened when you do the work, it allows you to share it with others. Yeah, that's, man. That's what the mahogany project activism looks like. We doing the work. Mm. Can I get a piece? Oh, Come on, uh, plug. Come on, little plug. I slid over. Before you even started, okay? I had already slid over. People start early because they all like peace. Mm -hmm. You know, we have people here. Oh, hey, yeah, what's up, that's what I'm telling y'all. These people here, you don't know how to act in public. Okay, you can't even take you on Zoom. What go down? What's going on, everybody? So welcome to the second episode of In Living Colors. I am Furnace, one of your co-hosts is the Adana Darlene, never the lame dude, the main dude, and I was the same dude. Okay, and then we actually have two people challenging Carol Vasquez. Y'all both got all the little cheetah prints. Yeah, that's what y'all feel. Okay. Like <laughs> <Dr>. a queen, <laughs> my sister, we, we here, we here. We gonna have to coordinate out here. I had to rap for my girl, Carol. Okay, okay. for all these cool cats and kittens. Okay, give y'all intros. Oh, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. I'm Arnina, the queen, on all social media platforms. <laughs> hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Joelle, a.k.a. your man's first choice, a.k.a. the unapologetic bad bitch. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome into the second episode. We're excited to be back with you guys um if you didn't watch episode one we gave you money some homework um that she was supposed to do as you can see she did do her homework because uh she woke up this morning anybody come with miss 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 your voice going in and out Bernice. it is yes it's probably the crown oh can you hear me, Joel? You were going in and out for a second. Okay, I don't know what's going on. Should I cut off some of my electronics? We got a lot of things going on over here. No, you good right now. Whatever you're doing right now. Now it's good. Was I fine before Dunnis got here? Here we go. You were. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. Do y'all. I'm going up. Y'all, y'all, y'all. 
just a question. <laughs> it was just a question, people. It was just a question. And speaking of just a question, so yesterday on the Mahogany Project page, we introduced a new um, um, little segment, and it's called How Do You Feel? And so yesterday's question was, what do you think it would take to provide a safer world for TQ LGBT um, to have a safer and brighter community? I know you got something, Marnina. Say it one more time because you were going in and out again. So say it one more time for me. What does it take to provide a safer world for TQ LGBT plus individuals to have a safer, brighter community? Oh, so one thing that's really, really heavy with me um, is decriminalizing HIV. Um, that's one of my main goals as someone that's openly living with HIV. And as a community that is so heavily impacted by the HIV epidemic, decriminalizing HIV is definitely top on my list. Another thing that's top on my list, especially for LGBTQ youth, is providing safe housing for all LGBTQ folks especially uh, trans women of color. And I'm not even gonna just say trans women because I'm gonna say black trans women because we know that it heavily impacts uh, violence and crime heavily impacts black trans women. So I think having a safe space for black trans women to be able to live free and free of discrimination is the number one priority at this moment. Okay, what about you, Joya? Um, I think, I feel like it's a couple of different things. I feel like one thing I'll be quick is just within our community is to allow a safe space for everybody in the community. I think that what tends to happen is that the community, even though we practice and preach that it's a, you know, it's an infinity amount of identities and identity expressions, we still a lot of times exist within the binary and within the cisgender binary. And we, you know, sometimes whether it's consciously or subconsciously enforce and reinforce the monolith of expression. So I think as a community, if we embrace the fact that, you know, being queer and being, you know, non-binary, being trans, being whatever, isn't monolithic, I think that that's one. And I also think that, you know, our allies and then overall, I just think that it's important that they accept that they are anti-LGBT, they are anti-trans, whether they are conscious or, you know, unconscious of it on different levels, and then work to break down the system at a higher level, those institutional levels. Mm -hmm. So, I definitely think that I mean, everything you know, share, that we definitely have to showing up places, and bright places for people. We're going to take the whole umbrella. We need to make sure that we're doing the whole umbrella. Because um, I see so many of my peers Call yourself whole black, then they, they also put everybody on the umbrella. Um, fighting for the policy and make sure you are checking certain problematic language when they're not present. So, if you want to take space, we need to be challenging all my sisters for black.
for me, I would say the biggest thing um, would be community. Um, one of the things that we yeah, need in order to have a safe community for other individuals to thrive um, is one for community to engage with each, each other, community to interact with each other, um, community to in, in engage in meaningful dialogue without biases, to have a better understanding of what it's like to be one another, what is it like to exist as one another, what are um, the systematic oppressions that uh, we all face and how they differ and how they are like. And always, um, well, let me be, let me be transparent. It pisses me off at times is when we get inside certain rooms, there's a topic in hand, and people start to play the oppression. My pain is heavier than your pain. Like we shouldn't be trying to, like, border who who's going through worse. What we should be doing is trying to come together to find a solution to address all of those problems. Um. Often it happens a lot, especially like in community forums, in your own topics. Let's make sure that we, we can walk into that. So let's make sure that we're able to come to a solution. And also, again, if you're going to be an ally of anybody who falls under the umbrella, also put the same passion that we agree with into finding a solution. All of those things, I think that they are important. So thank y'all for sharing that feedback. And I hope. You know, you what you don't like it just it just showed on me. Because today we found out that there will not be a hope this year, this summer, due to also do not know camp right um born in the with HIV. And the reason why popped it up in my head is that we have to make sure that when we're talking about building generational wealth outside of monetary, we need to make sure that we're pouring back emotionally. As well. So, some kind of way, whether it be with your time, whether it might be with your resources, let's make sure that we are giving back to. Often, I know a lot of times, if it's not something that's always in front of us, we tend to forget it or ignore it because it's out of sight, out of mind. So, even if we have to research, let's make sure we're doing our points according to them. What we need. Oh, you gave me this. Oh, okay. So I guess we're going to the next time. Wait, did y'all ladies have anything else to say? Mm. <laughs> I, I think he's, I think we all said it all. I think another piece um, that I think I kind of want to bring up is the economic justice piece of it all. Mm. And that there is no way that someone can exist in a silo and by themselves. And that we need to start hiring more of us, you know? more of us on these organizations and in these boards and stuff like that for those organizations that are supposed to be for us we need to be in the rooms and in every room absolutely all right and miss Turner, hey miss Turner, she gave a good she gave a great company. everybody's paying is different but we should have compassion um because a lot of times you know we just put some passion about what we're passionate about you know, we sometimes i don't know if we do a country or subconscious but i've seen people like you know, I guess there'll be a whole nother time. We can talk about it. Better make somebody's excuse. If I said, I was the HGB, they out my basket. I'm telling you. <laughs> the boys, they spread out your basket, your basket. If I say they spread out down mine, they did. Nah, I'm not. I'm just going to You always have to get your money. All right. So on the next topic, let's see. 
Okay. 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 Someone to stand in their line. Like, I can't do it. What's up? Like, like, serious about the circuit head? Let me, let me, let me the turkey head. The turkey leg. That's how I feel about Jordans. Yeah. Did you say drugs? I said Jordans. Oh, Jordan. oh, it's about the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Come on, say they got a lot outside the door. <laughs> no. no, they really do. They really do. <laughs> that is so. I don't know if we can do like quick segue, but I know 420 was day for yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you guys enjoy it for those who celebrated? I'm about to believe Jesus. Like, I didn't really celebrate. I had to work and I was, at, I, I didn't really celebrate. So I had a bad trip when I was in LA a couple months ago. So I am done. What bad trip? So I I went to this conference and like they were doing like they were giving away edibles and stuff. And so me, I, so I took the edible and I was like, well, maybe it's because like I live in a larger body that I'm not gonna feel the effects real quick. No. So I took another one. No. When I tell you, I was tired and cool to burn. I was like, never again. No, I was, I was, it was bad. It was bad. Like I got on the elevator and I was like, oh my God, all these white people on the elevator. <laughs> like I said it out loud. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I would have been embarrassed and got my on my <laughs> I was terrific. And I was like, Lord, if you give me unhigh, I'll never get high again. Oh high high. High. <laughs> he was high. I, so I would just like to take the time to say this. Um, as a person who frequently goes to Denver um, and LA and lived in Las Vegas and helped become um, cannabis legal in the state of Nevada, I would just like to say that um, there's a disproportionate number of Black people who are marginalized as it relates to the cannabis industry and who are still facing high crimes, um, you know, and even misdemeanors. They people who are getting felonies and things like that. Um, for cannabis, while in other states, predominantly white people are becoming millionaires and billionaires off of an industry that is basically putting black people in jail and have have historically um, put them in jail for for marijuana. So I just you know I just find that to be interesting. I just want to share. That. I mean, California is is known for its three strikes law, where it's three strikes and you're out and you're in jail for the maximum amount for the crime. And a lot of it, a lot of times what they do and how they get people is they charge them on those lesser crimes they usually have to do with marijuana or recreational. Like they literally, they go after them in black communities. And they, I don't know if y'all have read the new Jim Crow, but they like detail it and lay it out in the book, the Jim Crow, the new Jim Crow how the police department is notorious for targeting black and brown, specifically black communities at an astronomical rate and hitting them with the three strikes law. And they're done after that. So I, yeah. Um, I do not engage. <laughs> um, well, like my papa say, no, <laughs> but 
everybody. <laughs> I do. I I'll enjoy it. I just don't do it normally. I, I've never I've never tried it. Um, I can't even say. Can I? Can, my, I just we just said live the experience, right? My live. And I just say here we go. My live. Go right ahead. Um, <laughs> Like, my vice is definitely all libations, but I implore everybody. But it's important to say this, especially you speak about that, um, about black people being criminalized. And then, like, as Ms. Candace said, I agree that so many of them they take our money, they profit off of us, and they lock us up. Um, and then Christmas said, um, Like, well, just anybody who knows me and follows me know how I trying to make sure that we were all black people were able to get that opportunity to also um, capitalize off of those profits, especially um, black people. Um, that lies up there, we have people that are definitely over something hopefully. Um, if the Democratic um, nominee wins, we may I mean, so moving right along, so we're moving on for to for the coaching segment. Um, and the first thing for the coach we want to bring up, or we would like to bring up, is the Clock Sisters documentary. Oh, or movie or what have you, not. I mean, I watched it. It's my living in, in that. Hey, hey. <laughs> Even though I didn't watch it, but. You watch it. Well, I, now, I didn't have time. I didn't have time to watch it. Oh. I go first. Oh, go hey, get your, get your slip on. Listen, let me tell you something. Um, I grew up in an interfaith household. My mother's Christian. My father's Buddhist. Um, Ramadan starts Sunday night. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, so I didn't grow up with. Like a lot, like I know a lot of black people, like at home church or like having to go to Bible study. We used to I knew of the Clark Sisters, but it wasn't like that part in my life to where it's like, oh, I, you know, I knew them from Master Blaster because that's my favorite song from Stevie Wonder. Because um, I don't have that anyway. I knew them from that. My living in Dallas was an escape, but to actually see that, and especially as a person who didn't really identify with the church. I thought the movie was well done. I got multiple messages regarding it. Um, I love the fact, and I didn't even know, again, all that shit down for me. Like, I was shocked. I got so many messages. Of me. I was shocked. I was like, damn, not church people. Maybe not the main church one. But, um, what you mean, not the church people? Not the church people, not the church. But what, it was so many gems that I took from that movie because so many movies that I have watched, or even some situations that I know, when the abuse happened between Doctor, what's her name, Doctor Clark? Yeah, Doctor uh, Mama. Yeah, what's Doctor, her name? Uh, Maddie Clark. Maddie Clark. Maddie Clark. Doctor Clark. Doctor Clark. Look, I'm here. Um, minutes. Doctor Clark. I know is uh, lean on me or Mister Clark. Oh, Mister Clark. Lean you smoke me. crack, don't you, boy? Yes. Yes. But uh, watching it, um, <laughs> I did love the fact that when her oldest daughter. An issue, a conflict with the uh, with Doctor Clark's new husband or mm-hmm. husband, or the rest of the kids. That when all the shit went down, Mama packed up her shit and left quick. That was the first time I've seen it in the movie to where like 
because often we always see mothers like picking their man or their lifestyle over their kids that's not their man's child. So that, I love the fact that she was a strong woman and she was able to catch up and go. And not only that, she pulled back and got her daughter, um, brought her back home. I love that. She just couldn't win no pants. She can, oh my God, now let me tell y'all this. <laughs> that, and I've always heard of that, but I didn't know, like, her mom knocked on the door. When she knocked on her mama's door, because let me tell y'all something, Denise is a nurse. Let me say this. Because she let y'all know every three you seconds. You mean Jackie a nurse. is a nurse? Oh, Jack, see, that's how y'all, I ain't appreciate Which one is it? It's Jackie. It's okay, Because Denise is the one that let you know that Jackie ain't a nurse. <laughs> but what? But she she hit. Okay, no. So Jackie Denise, said that Denise said that Jackie didn't take the test. Who would you say that about your sister? Why don't they kick her out the family? This one don't like me. But anyway, I love the movie. What do with me? <laughs> what? Like I thought it was a good movie. The thing that shocked me was when Denise had sat at that table right before her mama had said that she got some mama to watch her watch her kids to go so she can go do something. And then her mama. Dr. Clark here said, listen, Basically, I, no. Yeah, she said, no, say, I raised mine, you raised yours, which I think is all fair. Um, and let me give a shout out to millennials, because I think that we do a different job. And this is not like slight Gen X or, or, or even baby boomers, but I noticed that we struggle and try to raise our kids whatever way. I know like our previous generations will leave us with mom or big mom, and that be it. I haven't seen a lot of that. Like growing up, like we saw people that live with their grandmother. And then, like, a lot of them kind of by their first name because they know Slither. So I don't see a lot of that often. Oh, I kind of remember my first name. She started calling my name too much. She, yeah. Did you call her growing up, though? No. But my but my uh my aunts and stuff, some of them called my granddad by her first name. You can do it. I'm talking about growing up. And, and I ain't throwing no sleep, but, but I, 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 my little cousins that's younger than me, he called his mama and his daddy by their first name. I know some people different. Ooh. But that, um, but we, but anyway, listen, we all, I'm on my Adderall. I have ADHD, so I'm on my Adderall. Like, it'll be depleting by like two hours on four. But, but it also spoke volumes to me because you're sitting at that table, you're about to sign money. You just got into it with your mama, or y'all had exchange of words about your mama not watching your kids. If I'm sitting at a situation when you have money, you're able to do a lot more. You have a lot more resources to be able to watch these bad motherfuckers or have somebody else. Like, you're able to do a lot. I'm speaking as a father. Let me tell you something, baby. And mama said she had how many? Seven? Eventually, she had seven kids. And she only had like two or three at that time. I don't know how I'm many like, she had. But anyway, keeping up with that lady snitch. the more you have this, the less you got to deal with this. At least, like, you can afford certain resources. So when she sat at that table and said, I cannot do it, it really had to be bad for me to have this opportunity to be able to have a luxury of life for me and my kids and a peace of mind for me to say no. So I was like, damn, was it really that bad? She said, mama, like, I, you gave me the scraps. I was like, you damn. Gonna have, you're going to have to write her an that was it that bad? Yeah. I, I, I mean, you said it was nice that, you know, she stood up for her kids and stuff like that when, you know, the daddy slapped Jackie and all that. But hell, did none of them stand up for her when they men came in their life and was basically like, oh, you got to get away from your mama. 
and uh, was whooping their ass. None of it, like. Wait a minute. So you telling me, Moti? I didn't know none of them got. We we're like in domestic violence situation. Did you watch them? I did. I didn't see nobody else, man. Push. <laughs> now, so now, listen. Let me tell you something. Because lo and behold, I love my mom, but she ain't got face, so she won't see this. I love my mama too big. And she gets on my nerves. So we we conflict. I'm a five-time mom's a water sign. She is a counselor, but we do this every day. I don't know. That's how we talk. However, that man pushed that lady mama. And she ain't so shit. Joey, you gotta watch it. She ain't pushed the mama on the stairs. And then he took he took his Very wife. forcefully. Yeah, I'm like, man, let me put your hand. What's up, Miss? Tiana, he put a little force. Behind yeah, he pushed that lady mama. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and, and she didn't say nothing. <laughs> yo. <laughs> she ran out the girl with the man. Yeah, she did. So only way get to North Carolina, he was like, you the clock, sister, right? You the fuck? You didn't well, get yeah. somebody. Gotta get well, out there. How would y'all deal with it? Like, I don't know about relationship with their um, mother or even their garden, but I'm like, whether well, I just can't deal with nobody pushing my mama. Uh-oh. Somebody could talk to my mama crazy, and I'm like, so we fighting, so we're fighting, <laughs> so we're done. It ain't even talk. It ain't even talk to my mama crazy. Look at my mama crazy. Like my mom is my best friend. Don't even look at my mama crazy because I'm ready to fight. Like I used to go in her classroom. She a teacher, and I used to go in her classroom. And like you know how little kids be smart and stuff. And she in high school, like she teaches high school. So I'm like walking in there, and every time I would go in there, like. You know, just little kids would say little smart, not all the time, but sometimes they would say little smart stuff. And I'd be ready to fight the little kids. Like, uh-uh, mama, I'm, let me take off my earring because I got this. Like, <laughs> I just had to stop going up there because them kids, no, you I can't. You have to. Well, my mom is not like in the class, so my mom is the attendance part. Oh, okay. Well, my mother's a teacher, and she deals with middle school, and I specifically make sure that I go on the after school or before school because I can't deal with it because I know how I was as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I was in my mama's school recently and was bell popped up out the blue. And Lord was bell maybe 10 minutes before my little sister showed up. So imagine both of us there at the same time, child. Tiana had said, yes, I did. I would have jumped on him about my mama. And Esther said, don't even think about looking looking at my mama crazy. I mean, it's like. Okay. Uh, it was lady. It was this lady. She was my stepdad's cousin. When my stepdad passed, may he rest in peace. She had an attitude with my mama. So I was like, let me roll, roll up on Constance and be like, so I heard you got a problem with my mama. Like, bitch, you could be 50 and you're going to get it. That's how, that's what we're doing right now. So you're not going to play. That's that's a different type where they just going to let him put his hands on. Mm-mm. He wouldn't have came out alive. He wouldn't have. Yeah. Okay. I, I was shocked. He pushed her mama. I wouldn't even go as far as say he threw it out. He didn't even push. He threw it out. Now, how did y'all feel like <laughs> on the stairs? <laughs> now, he threw it down. Now, how did y'all feel about it? Uh, well, Joe, you said you didn't see it. However, at the funeral, once the mom died, all the sisters there, which rightfully so, they should have been. Well, did he say that in private or the funeral? But she was on program. Okay, so here's the here's the, the thing that we have to understand about this movie. This movie is not an accurate depiction of what actually went on in their lives. So, which means, even though it showed when Twinkie went to go save the man in North Carolina, he was whooping her ass. That's because they had total autonomy over what was shown and what not would be shown in that documentary or Bayou series or whatever you want to call it. And so, because of that, of course. 
they not probably not gonna show you these men whooping out whooping her ass. But if that man had her in North Carolina talking about you supposed to be the the, the famous uh clock sister, where I'm money, write the song. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to put nothing out there, but I'm 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 just a little bit sure he was whooping her ass. Oh, like they say, like my uh my friend would say he he fights on. Ooh, a, a, a song. <laughs> I'm like, fight somebody, you know. That's not a Wait a minute, we, we skipped past the fourth thing. Thank you. Because apparently, mama, is, she was telling us that she first saw. She saw. She got tired of walking. Uh, let that be the reason. She saw, she saw all the rights and royalties to her song, her, to all her songs, so she can buy a car. And mama, it's for me. But she had a car. She, she, mama about to slap. But she did get all the rights of her to her music. See, they didn't say that inside. That's what I say. It's a lot in the in, the, in that that was not accurate because even Denise said her mom was not the one who pushed her out the group. It was Cam. Oh, they didn't say this. Yeah, because Denise said it. Yeah, it, it, it was interesting. But yeah, so after the funeral, Denise found out. I remember when she asked somebody to watch the kids, she had three. By the time they put her mom in the ground, in the ground she had a soccer team. Yeah, she had seven. She went up there and said, yes, I haven't spoken to my mom and my sister in seven years. And all these years, because of my kids. Because I think said last time they, they were together was 1986. And the funeral was 1986. Like, Damn. They wouldn't let Denise ride in the family car with them. How do y'all feel about it? In the car, there will be no the car. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no the car. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, like, if, I don't know how, if, how many siblings y'all have. But... Sorry, my more, whatever, then I got the traditional car. You know, like anybody, I think anybody should be able to ride. All siblings should be able to ride in the car. Do y'all, how do y'all, do y'all think it was right for them to say this? No, you can't get in here. So I ain't seen the movie yet, so I don't know exactly what all she did. Um, but I know that me and my sister, my mom has always wanted us to be super close because it's only us two. And so I know that I would probably be like, oh yeah, she can ride in here because that's something my mama has always wanted. She's always wanted us to be close. And we are close anyway, but I know even if we, when we get into arguments or disagreements or something, you know, my mom always says like, that's your sister. When me and your daddy are gone, that's all you're going to have on this earth. So. Yeah, me and my sister. That's all you got. That's all you you said got. what? I said, that's, yep. that's all you got. Because that's all my mama said, me and my sister. Something happening right now. The sister, all you got. She all mm -hmm. you got. I couldn't fan of it. And like on my dad's side, I have I have three brothers and three sisters. Um, my, with my mom, it's just me and my little sister. Even though my brother from my dad, when my dad but I couldn't even if I could not stand like one of my siblings, I don't have that right to deny you not to get inside this car. If I can't do nothing else, I can check my emotions because it's not about us; it's about our dad. For me, even if I was getting into it with you. Y'all ain't getting what you sit down there. It's a big car. Yeah, it's a big car. We're not going to be around It's a big car. It's a room in here. Yeah, like I ain't got time to be. I feel bad for her for this. 
I can understand when my mama go to glory, the last thing my, my sister would have to worry about is a family function. Her bigger concern would probably have to be finding me. Because I can already tell you now, if I'm not the, I'm a, bitch, I'm a book of flight and hit it. They're going to have to find me. I'm just not going to oh, be able to Lord. cope. I'm just going to book a flight and hit it. Tiana said they definitely did not agree with us. This is jumping on her life. Outside and church. Outside the church. Outside the church. Me and my sister do not get along to see out of if something was to happen. At a homegoing service like that, they could have addressed it after the service. I agree. I agree, Tiana. And then actually, she said that that was not cool at all. I just, I don't get like how do you put your own emotions over what your parent would have wanted, especially with something. Well, let me ask y'all this. So Jason Lee recently interviewed Kiara, and I think she actually paid her mom in the, in the docuseries. And, and so Kiara is Karen Clark Shields' daughter. Um, and so she would be Kiara Shield. And she was on a, a little live with Jason Clark, and he asked her about Kim Burrell. And he asked her, do you believe that the LGBT community should basically forgive Kim Burrell? And her response to that was basically, yeah, I feel like that's asking for uh, equality, uh, equity, and a part of that, a big component of that is forgiveness. Hey, what y'all <clears throat> What, you got, what you got to say, Martine? <laughs> you go first. You go first. I'm not forgiving anyone who does not um, who does who, whose ideal does not agree with mine and who denies me my right of existence. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim Burrell and her posse and all the people that agree directly with her rhetoric have for decades denied black, and I'm going to say black, LGBTQ folks from existing. And they have caused the death of a lot of black folks due to suicide. And also due to depression. And there's so many other instances that I can name in which folks like her have caused oppression on bodies of my ancestors, my LGBTQ ancestors. So I do not forgive her for anything. She could come out today, cry her eyes out, boo-hoo, ask for forgiveness, lick my ass, and I still wouldn't forgive Kim Burrell. And that's just the God's honest truth. I don't forgive her for shit she said. Cause she doesn't, she does nothing she nothing she can do can prove to me that she is a changed person and that unless this is the only thing, I'm gonna say this one. This is the only thing. If she comes out and is in step and in line with fighting for the rights of LGBT black LGBTQ folks, and if she's doing the work in community to undo all the harm that folks in her have done. If she does that, then I'll forgive her. But unless she comes off her high horse and does the work, there's no forgiveness, none. Well, she can sing now. That's why I see a lot of gospel gay singers. She, be... she can sing. I listen. I, I thought said... because I thought because you know I didn't grow what up. They, what they got to do with anything? That be they, but that's what I'm saying. That be their reason. <laughs> that be their reason going all for. Come on, be like oh. What oh, to so maybe she sound like a draw on a goat, but again, I was like, maybe it's just me because I grew up in the church. But I'm like, man, I, I don't get. But they come and they came for her. I, I remember like Luther Vandross was an amazing singer. 
Audrey Lloyd Webb was an amazing. Yo, why you bring up Luther? Because you said he was he, you. Because Pat LaBelle told y'all Luther Vandross was gay. <laughs> Something that we all knew. Oh, he was gay. I didn't know this. Mama Patty said, <laughs> and you can take it to well, the bank. And you I can take it to the bank. How many, how many straight men, how many straight men we know got mm-hmm. songs uh about women? Okay. Um Mama Patty told y'all he was gay. And y'all saw Luke to an early grade, okay, because he couldn't come out the closet. Audrey Laura was an amazing poet. Alice Walker, she had, you know, her pictures too. And these were still people who couldn't rise to the kind of like, I'm gonna say Kimberell was more famous, but like, you, she has a following that these people could not get. Yeah, luckily, we had, um, I mean, Kimberell is locally, you think about it. She, she is in Houston. She could go and then this Marcus and you could call her squeezing her ankle into somebody's little baton. Uh, <laughs> But like she still get the kind of like I just don't agree with that. And Mama let y'all know after she said what she said, she was not sorry. She said yep. LGBT lit means for let God be true quickly. And Mama shot an invisible arrow at y'all. How she, she, gave, How she, she said, "Oh, ah. <laughs> she gave no fucks." Okay, <laughs> be here, be like, "Oh yeah, we should forgive her." When Mama out here shoot invisible arrows at people. Mama shot a whole invisible arrow. How you feel, Jalea? Well, one, I don't even know who Kimberell is. I'm not even gonna lie. I don't know her. She blended in with every other gospel singer. Hey, I don't know. I don't listen to gospel, so I mean, hey, I I like I like my music nasty, secular, ratchet, sexual. I like hedonistic music. So I mean, whatever. But. Personally, I don't care. She can ask for forgiveness. I don't care. I don't care. Like, bitch, you said what you said the first time. And what they say, when somebody say or show you who they are the first time, believe them. No, you don't got to take back nothing you say. You can go on here. Mm-mm. Bye. Just so we all on the same accord, that was my interlude to see. Who's an eerie shout out to all my eerie eerie season? <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. Uh, that would swear he a DJ. I swear. He swear he a DJ. <laughs> he was the man who danced for all the dead. In the background. So, always dancing like Lil' Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all my Aries in the building, y'all. Shout out to all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Scorpio, though. It is Team Scorpio, though. <laughs> Well, see, hopefully y'all don't have to endure y'all birthday. Oh, we're not. Oh, no. Outside will be open by Scorpio season. It oh, won't. It won't. Mm-mm. But they say that we're going to go through another um another COVID-19 during the winter. That's what they said. That's okay. I'm an early Scorpio. We can just, just, let, just let October go, and then we good. So make sure you buy a Christmas gift for your boo, because you're going to be locked up in the house with them. And we don't need no more spikes in domestic violence. <laughs> well, my boo don't live with me, but he will be visiting me. Oh, okay. Well, we don't need no spikes in domestic violence. Chris said, just because the people want to say, I mean, period, put. Exactly. I agree with my nigga on this. Any of these problematic folks do the work, people do the damage. I believe. 
years old. Yeah, because Miss Mamas can't do nothing. I should have ever said. We love to take for people that's not even in the community that don't love us, that don't work for us, but then when it comes to our actual own, who be on the front lines, be on the battleground, it be crickets everywhere. Let mm-hmm. somebody who tell you to go to hell and die, they be fall, falling, falling out. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's something that's ingrained in LGBTQ folks, especially those from marginalized communities already? Is that something? I that- definitely feel like it is. I think it's just, it's, and you hear it a lot, I think it's our subconscious want and are yearning to be a part of that binary. Like they will they will hold up a cisgender black woman who says that she is against homophobia, will call trans women and trans men out of their preferred pronouns and gender. They will hold these these women up but not talk, but not, you know, it'll be these will be the same queer people that when trans women, black women are slain in the streets, they quiet or silent or got something derogatory to say or something funny or a kiki. But it's like, it be these same people. I know my best friend asked a, a question last year when I had a situation that happened with a couple of So if somebody apologized to you, does that mean that you have to accept the apology? And just, and just, who put the time frame on an apology? Or wh- who created rules and guidelines to apology and the procedure to accept them? Just because somebody apologized to you does not mean you have to, one, accept that person's apology. Well, Uno, that's off the bat. And just because, and, and two, you don't have to accept it right then and there. That means you can lay down down the ride. You can eat and go, you know what? I get it. You know what? I'm accepting apology. You have the right to do that. But you also need to understand there is no guidance, there is no guidelines or premises on when someone apologized to you and when you should take it back. There's nothing, there ain't no laws and no mandates around it. That's your free will. You have to write, accept it, turn it down, or do what you will with that person's apology. Especially someone told you after they said what they said, they told you like I mean what I yeah. said. Like they never did ask for forgiveness. Um my thing, do what you need to do. And it's something you said that I remember talking to like my close on that friend group. I know I'm talking to that person because I'm trying to hold out. But I always say this the offender cannot tell the offended when they're no longer period. So if I say that I'm offended and I need to take my time Give me my time. Just because you want to talk about it, want all things to go black, back to hunky dory, peaches and cream, 808s and cupcakes, does not mean that I'm ready to go there. And I should not be forced, no one else should be forced to be able to go to this quote unquote Everland. Everland. Just to make you feel comfortable. I mean, you want, were you doing all that? Were you putting all that much energy and thought into it before you finished the person? Whatever time it is to heal. And the words of Charlene, if I say 10 years on the grudge, I mean 10 years on the grudge. 
Ninja Kid. What if he was on Leap Year? Because I'm gonna I'm charge you for the extra day, tax you for the extra day. Um, so in the so Netflix has a new show, y'all call it Black Espa, which is created by the guy who creates black mixes and brownies and created like girls and there's been a lot of people on social media who've been putting mixed feelings out about the show. You have some people who like it, some people who say it's trash. Um, for those of you who have watched the show, what's your thoughts on it? Who watched the show? I watched like two, three episodes. Oh. I had to let you know after that. Oh. <laughs> you know. I watched the episode and a half, and I had to let it go after that. I couldn't. I, I can't. I cannot. It looked dry talking about it, but I could not watch it. Like, uh. Uh-uh. So I think the conundrum for me is always seeing the typical light-skinned family. So you got that almost white mama, the biracial-looking kids, the dark-skinned daddy, like. The jokes are very off-putting. Half of the stuff I cannot relate to because I am not a multimillionaire. It is not relatable. It is not about black folks. It is something to appease the white man. Kind of giving them like a little uh, sneak peek into multimillionaire black folks. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Because it's definitely not like my life or any of the folks that I know who live. Like, I mean, they had a depiction on one of the episodes of Juneteenth. And I was like, black folks don't even, first of all, we don't put out picnic table papers on our tables to eat. Like, it was just everything. It, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. You watched it, Adonis, because a post in the comments and said, I really enjoyed it. Me and Adonis have watched a few episodes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm in a minority here. Um, but not not to invalidate anything that you all have said. Um, I love it. I love it. I definitely, when I looked at it, first of all, I'm a big person. Like, I love Modern Family. And the humor was very much dry like that. Humor. Um, I love the dynamic, the more new age dynamic between him with his kids, especially with the daughter. That's Because um, the premises of her feeling, um, filming a, mock, a mockumentary uh, for family's life, of how they go about doing things. Um, some tropes. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to lie. I definitely understand where they come from. Definitely, you do see it's a light skinned family. It's a biracial family. Um, he said that he might have to his family. My family looks different from he. You know, I can't tell him what what the experience is. I can say I did love certain subjects that they. Like they, they um, him and Rashida Jones, and then we can talk about that later. But they, him and his wife, they popped a Molly. Um, they went to a concert because they they are definitely multimillionaires. Um, and like Ronnie said, I don't know what that's like being black and multimillionaire, but I cannot invalidate what that is to be black and a multimillionaire. Because it's not my experience. I definitely believe they have it. Like you have black multimedia. I mean, you look at Quincy Jones, Rashida Jones is a product of this. So she's always said that. I don't think Quincy Jones or his kids are less black than me. Because I don't think, and I had made a post about this, black and all this is what you are. 
Um, I think it's unfair for a lot of people to say, oh, well, you're not black because X, Y, Z. Um, whatever that may look like, look like, and I know a lot of people say, we do need to be a gatekeeper of black culture, and I agree. However, I think sometimes, a lot of people say we need to be a gatekeeper <laughs> of um, black culture, and I'm neutral on that because it all depends on who is the gatekeeper of it. Because when we deal with like Black Lives Matter, we deal with a lot, a lot of our heterosexual counterparts, you know, heterosexual counterparts, they don't include us. So it can become dangerous, it can become problematic and toxic as fuck. But overall, um, I like this, a lot of dry humor. I love, I like I said, the dynamic both. They talked about like him and his wife taking the Molly and then seeing their eight year old daughter at the club on Molly and how they addressed that. And I don't, I, I've never seen that before. I think I, I know. I, I know people who have taken Molly. Even on Insecure, a lot of people was mad. Why y'all present black people taking Molly? Listen, let me tell y'all something. You have black people, regardless of their social economic class, that indulge recreationally or even day to day in those type of vices. And I think a lot of people hate to address that because oh, we ain't talking about Madam C.J. Walker. A lot of people hate to address things that's going to, that may be trigger points. Like whether they be colorism and things of nature, like when you have people, just because you and your house don't do it, you know, your friend groups don't do it, don't mean it's not being done. And I can only speak from experience. I was really ignorant to thinking that people engaged in myth. And this would be as a case manager doing assessments uh, to my friend who lived um, outside of the South, outside of the Texas. They say, no, black people are really doing it in Chicago, this and another. Then slowly but surely, bam. So again, it goes back to the I do want to see more families because it's not one way to be black, but I do want to see a North skin family like through and through because we have them. I'm a product of one. I want to see it, but I don't want it to be the staple of you have to be black like this and not like this. I think for me with his with him with him, it's always the same thing. And I think that's why me and Kenya. And I'm going first name places like I know sis. Um, <laughs> I think that's why his shows are so, I mean, it's a monolithic story, story of black folks and the black experience for me. Um, and I think I'm kind of tired of seeing the same thing from him. And I think that's my issue with him. Not the fact that, you know, I know black people, we don't live monolithic lives and some of us are millionaires, but that's the 1%. It's so many black experiences that don't look like that. And the majority of us don't look like that. And for you to title your show Black as Fuck and for it not to be a holistic Black experience, to me, it's a tad problematic. So um, I'm, I'm tired of seeing the same thing from him. I want him to come up with something new. So I would like to say that I'm a huge fan of like Blackish. Um, I enjoy Grimes. I enjoy Blackish. But I am a huge um, fan of Blackish, and I use a lot of the reads in Blackish in my everyday life with my best friends. I do because we we thoroughly enjoy it. It's one of our guilty pleasures. Um, also, however, not to cut you out, but Blackish <laughs> also shows up in play as black people. So I definitely understand what you said more than like, and we got to see him scratching this up, like like we saw with on Good Time. But show me like a lower middle class black family just struggling and surviving to make it. Because I don't think we've had that. Like we had, what was it, Family Matters? But then you had, they were still somewhat. They were you had all of us, Family Matters, the Bernie Mac show, uh, Hanging with the Coopers. They uh, got money. They got money. It was all. 
Out uh, all night. That was a quite a few shows where that was pretty well. Yeah, even Moesha. I was still up middle class. The like, Parkers. Now there we go. But then look what happened. It was a North Korean woman with a single mother. Right. And so that's that's what I was about to, to say. I enjoy um like blackish, but mixes this show for me, black as fuck, like you said, my name was not a holistic view of what it's like to be um black, right? And so even in the part when they was like the Molly, that's kind of like where I turned it out. I grew up in a community where you had um, parents who was on drugs and by the time your child, their child was in high school, they were hooked on probably the same drug that the parent was hooked on or mm -hmm. overindulging in alcohol or having uh, multiple kids by the time they graduate. Most of those things that went on in Black as Fuck is not an adequate depiction of how we deal with these things in the everyday lives. I have not seen a lot of parents who take drugs and then come in contact with they, those kids, their kids who take the same drug and they have a meaningful dialogue of why you shouldn't participate in this drug or why this is wrong or, or why you can miss out on these. I, I haven't saw that shit. That's not black as fuck. Now, I'm not saying that there's not black people that's encouraging people not to do drugs or to get on drugs, but that's totally separate from what we're seeing um, them doing on this show. I also find it interesting in the very first episode this was episode one where you, you try to foster this narrative that you are, and you even said, ah, fuck, I hate white people. But then, and I'm not saying you should hate white people, but you hate them, but it's like them enough not to marry a white woman and have multiple kids by her. Oh, she don't, what, is, is his legit white white or is she biracial? To my mother, she's white. Okay. I don't know. I know Rashida Jones is biracial. I'm thinking like that. I thought he said his family was biracial, but. But you know, people. But he said too. his family. He comes from a bi. He said he comes from a biracial family, mm. and then his family is biracial. So that's where he gets this whole biracial thing. Here. However, we all took psychology. I mean, uh, took a uh, science, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you do that little thing in biology, so when they do that little chart, we do a capital B and a lowercase b, mm -hmm. and then the person you marry, they got a capital R and a lowercase r, and you do the little breakdown of the shit, and you see how the. People you, you know your kids not matching up, sir. And the people in your shows are not matching up. Even I even have an issue with blackish. I talked about this with my one of my friends last night. You pitched the twins as uh, Jack and uh, Diane as twins, but the girl is extremely dark skinned and the, the, and he is actually very very light skinned. Without all of that makeup and stuff piled on him, he is a much lighter than what he appears on and then most of your other kids on the show are light-skinned as well, including Oprah Jr., um, Zoe, and the, and the little child that they just had. Deontay, Deontay, or whatever his name is. I definitely say the diversity definitely needs, even though like, it's like really different somebody the shade of anger and it's Diversity is definitely needed. Um. I was, I mean, it, it's definitely needed. I haven't seen, you know, the last time I think I saw, and some, I guess, may have been a documentary. It's also another thing, because I heard, like, homeboys, heterosexual homeboys, and say that most of the time you see a door to a man with like a woman. I don't know why we have to keep doing that. Um, however, like, Family Matters, I think the last time I saw a uh, door to a man, door to a woman, I woke up in time until they switched our hairies. 
Oh. Ah, but like kids, man. I definitely think you need to see more than that monster because you have people like uh, who else is a black multimillionaire? Um, like Chris Rock. You have Martin Lawrence. You have a lot of these people that have those skin. Is Mark Lawrence an adequate depiction though? Because when he did the Mark Lawrence show, his 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 wife was light skin. And technically, and, and go back and read the original casting of the show. Uh, Rashida Arnold was supposed to play his wife. She was supposed to. She did. Rashida Arnold. Oh, well, okay. So what I heard was like he always wanted house party and whatever he produced. Now the original person um, that Pam played was the one on the side. Her and Tisha Campbell were roommates, so he said like, "You got your girl can come in." I just, you know, it's just like, damn. I, I really would love to see more. Uh, we say black is fuck. I don't think it looks one one way, but I want to see it in different differently, different places. I don't want to always see a door skin with a. Well, and I know it's just a Moisha Jovajit, but there was a dark skin man and a dark skin woman, even though that wasn't their mom. And I'm not saying that if you are a light skinned person that you have to dark, they dark skin. If you're a dark skinned person, you like I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying if you are a person of African American descent, you can't go out and be other race or other people. That's not what we're saying either. We're just saying this guy's particular body of work does not mirror black people in a holistic manner or in a holistic aspect. I agree. And I think too the it's the social implications for me. It's not me looking at TV. It's me thinking about five year old me or that little girl that I recently saw on Instagram crying because she thought she was ugly because she's dark skinned. They're still doing experiments where they're having little black girls looking at white dolls, thinking the white doll is prettier than the dark skinned doll because they're not being depicted adequately. It took me a long time as a fat black girl to love the skin I was in just because I did not see adequate depictions of myself. And my parents can only tell me I'm cute so long before I start looking at societal standards of beauty. And if I don't see me on the TV screen and I don't see me in ads and I don't see me in the newspaper and I don't see me in magazines, I'm gonna start to think that there's something wrong with the way I look. And so psychologically, that's very damaging on you little black girls if they can't see someone on TV and be like, oh, I wanna be like her. If I can't do that and I can't see those depictions in real time, cause there's only so much that like your like tribe can do to boost you up. There's only so much because you're gonna start looking around. I mean, it's only, it's only right for you to, as the person that lives in society to look around and see that you're not being depicted and that folks don't think that your type of beauty is beautiful. And so I think that he does a major dis disjustice um, to community when he does stuff like that. Because he is, you, I mean, you have to hold yourself accountable. You're a multimillionaire, you said it yourself, you're in the 1%. And so sometimes you do have a different type of privilege that comes with actions. I think in the Bible it said that um, to whom much is given, much is required. And I know I'm not, you know, the best person to talk about the Bible and all that, but. That's one scripture that I hold to heart because I do think once you have a certain level of privilege, you have a certain level of responsibility. 
if somebody to just text me and they said some great shows um that do predict black people in a great way and do add value um to the black experience and those shows are david mcmahon um, and Queen Sugar. And I would even say, go as so far as say, Great Hair, Green Leaf, too. Because how we're talking about the whole Clark sister aspect, Green Leaf does have a true depiction for a lot of us of how we see and have experienced church. I definitely want to see more like a different dynamic because it's always a dark skinned black man with a, light, a lighter skinned wife. So I definitely would want to see more. Um, it's, not even, it's not even that. It's if it's if it was just the light skinned wife, that's one thing. But it's always the lovable, quirky, art like light skinned wife who's upbeat and who you know is just so lovable. And it's like, yeah, Rashida Jones could pop Molly at a concert. Let that have been a dark skinned mother who popped a pill at a show. It would have been a whole different conversation. She would have been all types of crackheads and, you know, pill popping, and it would have been all sorts of memes. I don't see no meme calling Rashida Jones a crackhead. No, she's a lovable crackhead because she likes skin. So that whole, like, yeah, that whole quirky, light skin, lovable wife trope, it, it's really old. I don't enjoy it with. I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of Blackish. I've never seen it before. I don't, I'm not really a fan of the whole quirky Tracy Ellis Ross character that she does. I just, it gets old for me. And then to see it just repeated over and over again, I just, for me, those shows like that, like I'm like, eh, like show me a show where it's just some Black people doing regular stuff. Like, why can't we be cast in a role like, you know, to me, like a living single, it's just some regular shit going on. We always got to be, you know, nowadays it's like, oh, we got to be talking about Juneteenth or some, you know, Black, you know, Black Lives Matter. Yes, that's a part of our lives, but do we always have to be reliving our trauma? Do we always have to be living our oppression for the gaze of the public? You know, why can't we just have an episode where, fuck, we going to work and it's a regular day at work? And it's just like, that's why I'm like, eh. And then to see like, oh, she popped a pill, but she wasn't called no crackhead. I'm like, huh, I'll pass. And not even that. She tried to call her white friends out at the dinner table for calling her, saying her, her daughter who had purple hair was hip hop or litty. And she called them out on that and about their white gaze. But then when your black husband made gunshot sounds, you was like, buh, buh, buh. Too, but if a black woman do that, she's ghetto and perpetuating stereotypes around black people. Man, it, it's like it's just like it's like all of what I've said it's like loaded. It's just and it's just a uh, segue, but then I found a lot of people we was talking about hip hop. We probably be doing our colorism, but I know. A lot of people like she. She was saying she had to defend her blackness. Or had to why she was looking. Now my experience is, regardless of having a parent that's Nigerian and person, a parent that's Black American, I do speak of like I no one has ever questioned how black I was. And I definitely think I know it's different. Ooh, is it because you tell everybody you're not? But like even if I did, you see. But even outside of it, that, I, I do. I do. Um, and like any not a certain place of privilege, because I know within the black community, our skin 
black men is celebrated for the traits that they try to villainize a dark skinned black woman. I never understood that. Um, yeah, I definitely do understand being criticized a lot of times for being a daughter of that whole man dingo. Um, that is real. Yes, I hate it. That is real. That is real. And this even, yeah, we won't have to unload this topic, mate. Switch because it's a lot I can say on that. Oh, don't come back. We have, to come. we have to do another episode. <laughs> we do, but I will <laughs> to wrap it up. I definitely just want to see more diversity and more of the black experience. I'm not saying that it's limited, but oh, this is what I was saying. Because I saw a lot of people attacking Rashida Jones and this one other. I don't feel if you are black, you should not feel the need to argue with anyone of how black you are. Like at the end of the day, no one gave us the black card and no one can take it away. Wait a minute. They going to call her out, but they not calling this nigga Kenya, whatever the fuck his name is. So they not calling him out for writing this problematic ass shit, but they want to get on her case. Then again, and see, and that, that's another issue because we need to talk about you know misogyny across all like ethnicities, races. That's you know, shit I don't like. Now, I agree with you because they attack the woman, but they won't say anything about them. They want to question her blackness because she looks, but she's biracial. Okay, let's be real. And then don't get me wrong, we know how colorism works within our community. However, even if we sit there walk the story, like let's be real, a lot of shit, a lot of problematic shit that's happened. You gonna talk about right? That's can because within the black community, this gender straight black men is our biggest ever. Like our biggest ever seen. Like people, like so. Let's be real. But no one ever holds, especially with our community, we don't hold him as accountable as we hold the black woman. Whether she might be dark skin, black skin, he always has preferential treatment because he is the man. The Madam C.J. Walker documentary also depiction of the relationship between Madam C.J. Walker and Adam Malone. It was not an accurate depiction. They both actually were dark-skinned women. Adam Malone and Madam C.J. Walker, they were both dark-skinned women, and they both had the same texture of hair, and not only, yes, Madam C.J. Walker did see Adam Malone's uh, uh, formula for her product, but they were in business with them. She actually did sell so there's a, so there is a difference there. There is a difference there. Well, now, when you go back and research the difference between how they market their materials, I can't. I don't know why the women fail like Both of them have already gone to glory before I was in existence. But you go research um, and the Turnbow's um, products. I mean, I'm you see the depiction from everyday walking of the quote unquote everyday black woman, and you see the bottle of Annie Turnbow's was the mulatto one. And I, and I think they said, why you want to play that narrative? Because we need to really talk about shit, even though like things are true. We really need to risk like we, and I put it like a month ago or two. Did you ever speak about colorism in your household? I know in mine, we did. But I do know my mother being a dark-skinned woman, she would make certain comments. And you know, like this was real. It was, I was like 25, so I ever heard, oh, well, you used you, you to be, you used to be a dark-skinned be a dog boy and I'm like damn I ain't never heard that but then again I acknowledge privilege growing up with the Nigerian father and always around like Nigerians and then the nation of Islam I'm always affirmed about this so when I heard them like damn then I realized this was a thing for a lot of people so it, it's just like yeah we we got a lot of shit <laughs> I don't know how we were ever, ever get to a place of euphoria but it's definitely um a lot of shit I'm gonna say this I move on to the next topic 
this, if you can see it, is my grandmother, the, the light-skinned lady. And the lady who's sitting in front of her is her sister, okay? And as you can see, my grandmother is a lot lighter than what her sister looked like, okay? So historically, we have known that there has been various shades of the Moses and what we look like. So we have always been prepared to stand in a gap for our lighter skin cousins and nieces and siblings and things like that, and to stand in the gap for those who are darker skin. Because historically, the way that our matriarchs and patriarchs were set up, they looked different. But we were aware that we were all one. Yeah. The next topic, Chalkers. Go ahead. What you got? Well, Kristen said they always treat darker, darker women as too bold not feminine enough and that scene in the media. Okay, I'm gonna leave is this that and not trying to store no shit, but I know everybody's favorite and real who's the dark skin. Everybody's favorite. And I just even just being biased, like dark skin via they they brought a different energy. Um, and even with, um, what's the other one? Um, not those can be. Oh, even Harry. Once Harry decides to leave show, and they brought in a light skin woman, which like, why the hell would you do that? Like, if you want to do it, do it someone who is similar. Like, I don't even know that. I'm gonna have to go find yeah, it. Yeah, the episode. But Harry said she had left because she would say, "Hey, he ran his course." But like, I, I don't get the reason why. And then maybe now in our in our society, in our climate, we we're more aware. However, I just want to see an accurate depiction of not one so like dynamic. Cause the only time you ever see like real light skin and dark skin one, which well, I mean you can't get no better. Sure. Okay. 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 Did you? But now we're moving on. Moving on. So we're moving on to Corona getting Corona. So we everybody. Y'all hoping up doing the coronavirus, you know. Ooh, coronavirus, coronavirus. You know, look, Cardi, everybody holding up doing the coronavirus outbreak. So please feel free to drop those comments below. Let us know how you're feeling. Know how are you feeling doing the coronavirus? Um, I know you said you was happy. You found you a little, uh, a, a beauty supply that was doing curbside. Please. <laughs> No, seriously, we need that. <laughs> the two issues I had through Corona Gaddy was my nails and my motherfucking beauty supply. Everybody, if you don't notice that the last time we was on, Joy ahead. I, I remember, now listen, I'm definitely like a quarter hole straight able to cover that. I do, I don't remember what color, but I knew they was like maybe a cotton candy or baby. They was um, right. they was, um, it was purple and pink, purple and pink. They want that so please enlighten us. Why your nails look like this when they really like the last girl? So first off, nails are essential. I don't give a fuck what nobody says. They are essential. I have been calling, begging, pleading, stalking, knocking on doors, saying, I see you. Can you open up? I just need an hour of your time. Like Felicia status. Like Nobody was answering. So I ended up getting a private nail appointment with this amazing nail technician 
who she was referred to me through somebody. She has her own studio. She only does one appointment at a time. She sanitizes. So I went through her for my nails. And then my beauty supply, I ended up stalking them. Come to find out they doing some curbside on the side. So I was able to place my order and woof, won't he do it? I got to re-up today. Woof. <laughs> there you go. Literally before the meeting that me and Vernon had today, I was rushing home from the beauty supply, going to pick up my curbside order. Woof. But I'm good. I'm good. Danielle said she wants to know where you got your nails done, so you might have to or in your beauty spot. So you might have to inbox her private. No, I'm gonna inbox her, my lady. Danielle, I got you. I'm gonna inbox you. They <laughs> like the girls up for trying to perform certain service. I heard somebody to come and say, Where you got your edge up done? What? <laughs> Don't try to catch that. <laughs> well, look, these are essential. These are essential. <laughs> So about your nails, Joanne. Let's continue. So, you know what? And they really locking people up. Like, first off, why the fuck are y'all hating? Secondly, like, we're grown adults. Like, I wish somebody would try to lock somebody up for doing some nails. Like, fuck, y'all messing it up for us. Like, all the dying, y'all. That's why they scared. Well, listen, I I understand. But here's my thing. Let me tell you somebody. Let me. All I gave me a lot of gifts. Okay. But what yeah, I did not receive was about like being a barber and all this. So wherever I went, shout out to my barber, wherever I went, just know that I don't have, I don't possess those skills in my magic bag as more than you said when you was kids. So listen, I'm gonna have to go. That sometimes you ain't going nowhere. You see the same person. I want to look nice for myself, okay? I'm nice for myself because when I'm going through, we scratching and surviving. Can I look at oh in the morning? Can I turn on the light and be like, okay, damn, I don't look as bad. Like, let me tell you something, this rough and stuff with my ass, like, it ain't what it is, so. I'm sorry, Corona getting or not, I'm not going to be looking like how some of these people looking like. They looking like struggle, like like, like the world is about to end on Tuesday. No, not Joelle. I'm not looking like that. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel so. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm rocking it rough and stuff with my Afro club. <laughs> and somebody really not, no, but you really not. Yeah, and somebody with a compromised immune system, I can't play them games. So I put my little clip ins in for y'all. But usually I have my little bonnet on because I really can't um I really can't afford to get sick. Um we all know that like that's the last stage for people living with HIV is like um pneumonia and uh, the flu and stuff like that. So I take I have been taking coronavirus extremely serious, like to the point where me and my girlfriend have gotten into it because she's like, "Hey, I want to go hang out with my cousin or hang out with my friend." No, because you can get coronavirus and bring it to me. And so, as you date somebody with a compromised immune system, you have to be extremely careful about those of you around and about where you at and how you live your life. And to me, I'm the type of person where I want people to go out because you want to know what it's survival of the fittest. You want to go out and you want to open up and open up the, the world back up, you go out there. We're not going to give you no ventilator. You go out there and you go explore the world since you want to go have so much fun. You go out there and live your best like me because I'll be in the house and you go ahead and we'll get the stupid out the world. And then, you know, the rest of us will be still here. <laughs> That's how you feel. <laughs> so, Mona, let, let, let me ask you about this because I, I have... A lot of friends with the same experience. What advice would you give them? Because again, if you don't play with them, 
play right. We're gonna be transparent here. You already know that you have a compromised immune system. Why are you on ground? Why are you on jet trying to fuck on somebody or trying to get fucked oh on? God. Like, what words could you give them to let them know, like, hey, the dick and the ass is gonna be out there forever, forever. Like, oh my god, I just see that. I forgot to tell you what. I'm gonna miss her dick and ass because she was just living all out, okay? I was, I was being uh, a bit, it was been vain, true. Wisdom, Vernon's really see it. I just smiled. I don't mind. But like, what advice did you give them? Like, hey, it, it, hey, hey, it ain't that deep, sis. It ain't that deep. You want to know what I have learned um, doing this work for a couple years now? I have learned that uh, body autonomy is so serious. And if someone wants to die by the dick and die for a dick or some ass or a tongue, that's their prerogative. Um, there is nothing that I can say as an activist or someone living out loud and living in my truth. I cannot convince them to stay in the house because sometimes folks really feel like that dick and that ass and that tongue is that serious that they willing to die behind it. And a lot of people I think that are living with HIV a lot of times, they still want that human connection. And then on top of that, a lot of folks are also living with mental illnesses that make them want to have more of a human connection and sometimes can make folks extremely codependent on other people. And they feel like, hey, for me to have another person to touch or for me to be around someone else, if I got to go get some ass or get some dick to, to, to just to be in connection with other folks, then that's what I'm going to do because the club ain't open and other stuff. And I mean, it's not even just people live with HIV. It's so many people that are still on dating websites that aren't in LGBTQ spaces that are risking their lives every day for some ass and dick on Tinder. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really that person's prerogative. And if I'm, I'm so serious about body autonomy because a lot of folks talk about body autonomy in spaces, but don't really mean it. And I swear I mean it when I say that we have to start letting folks have their own bodies and own their own bodies. If you want to risk your life, sis, just don't come around me with the bullshit. And don't expect for me as a taxpayer to fund your ventilator because I don't want to. So Danielle said in the comments, "Oh, this is a major topic. People are still hooking up. It's awful. Um, they do not care. I I have stories. Inbox me with some of these stories, Danielle. I want to know. You have pictures too. Send out. <laughs> also, whoever donated to the Mahogany Project, thank you. We appreciate your donation. And for those of you who are watching, please, um, we would love for you guys to donate. This uh, Friday is actually the Mahogany." Third anniversary. Um, so we will be birthday gifts and anniversary gifts all year. Uh, so definitely, uh, we definitely appreciate it. And your donation will go to fund things like uh, this, like in Living Color, um, Project Action, Black Trans Empowerment, some amazing programming that we do at the Mahogany Project, and some amazing programming that we have. We would love to for a lot of people to donate, but if you can, we will make it. Especially for the people who ain't got their stimulus yet. Oh, but if you got your stimulus, you can get sales. Is your stimulus still at Wish, Adonis? Stimulate us. Right, mine. Right, is that y'all saw my post? Wish must be sitting in mine, baby. Wish must be sitting in my stimulus, but I stand like that. Thank you. See, that's what I get for laughing at you. My phone keeps falling. So I know, Marmini, you want to talk about 
um, the government's response to COVID-19. Um, what you got for us, sis? I know you over there fighting with your camera right now, but... Yes, because it keep falling, because I, I broke my, um, my little camera stand for my phone. But you guys donation think y'all donation would help get my girl a camera stand. You see, period. Yeah. You know, we need to get her one for the mahogany project so we can do this podcast. Go ahead. Somebody drop us a little 20 so we can get my girl a camera stand. Period. Okay. So um, one thing I want to say was I think it's very interesting politically right now how um certain folks uh are handling the reopening of government and reopening of businesses, period. So a lot of Southern states are, we know, are ran by Republican governors, but a lot of Democratic mayors are in the South are saying, hell no, we're not reopening. And if we are to reopen, you need to wear masks. Like I know here in Houston, they say that we have to wear masks if you're over the age of five. I know in Georgia, they're reopening and now you can get a haircut, you can go bowling, you can get your nails done. And yeah, you go to the movies and all that. But Keisha Lance Bottoms, who's the mayor of Atlanta, is saying no. She's saying stay home. We need to defy the orders. And I think it's so amazing how a lot of those folks are defying it. And I think in Michigan, where I'm from, uh, the mayor of a predominantly black town, it, he applied for a grant. And so now he gave all of his residents masks and gloves and PPE to be able to protect themselves. And so I think it's so interesting how a lot of Democratic folks are really standing in the gaps for people. And we have a lot of Republican officials that are showing that it's profit over human lives. And I think that folks really need to pay attention to that because we have an election cycle coming up in a couple of months in November. And we really, really need to pay attention to the people who have our backs. I agree with you. I know here at Justin and the Hidalgo, on the 27th is going to institute an order where individuals are going to be required to wear masks. It's going to go in effect for 10 days. Or you can possibly face a fine upwards to $10,000. Um, but I would also like to say, so early today, um, I cooked nachos on Monday because I cooked me a little snack that could last a couple days. And so I ran out of nacho chips, okay? Um, so I want to go get some earlier from those the local store around the corner. And it's like a local supermarket and things like that. Um, they already have a sign on their door saying that you will not be allowed into the store unless you have a mask per city ordinance. However, that had not been put into effect. Linda Hidalgo had not made any kind of order or any kind of, you know, um, announcement about that. And so I tried to share that information with them, but the security guard that was there was not receptive um, to that information. So what I did was I came home um, and I even told them, hey, you can pull up Click to Houston right now, because literally while I was walking in the store, Linda Hidalgo was on the news talking about it. I was listening to it. Um, and I was like, you can pull it up right now. They're talking about it on Click to Houston and you can see what was going on. Um, he was just not interested. So I came home, I called up there, asked to speak to a manager, and she was saying that the, their regional manager told them to put the sign up. So that's why they did it. And I told them my concerns, which was this store is a local community store where there's a lot of people who stay around here who literally live in the hotel next door to you guys or live into these little small complex around where your store is. A lot of people do not have vehicles. They do not have means to make it to major stores like HEB 
or tarp or fiesta or things like that without having to get on the bus and carry bags and then getting the whole family out, you know, and risking the whole family. And so by putting a sign up five days before Judge Hidalgo um, said this order would go into effect, you are basically putting a large, a large portion at the community of the community at risk. Because one, some individuals cannot access the supplies that is necessary to create a mass. When we think about things like bandanas, the, the, the place that a lot of us, especially black people, process where to get bandanas from is the beauty supply. And the beauty supply is closed. So if I cannot access a beauty supply to where I know to get them from to get a bandana, that's already a barrier set up, right? And then we know that we can't access PPEs because it's hell, it's hard for the medical professionals to access them. So if it's hard for you know, a group of population who use these on a day-to-day -day basis to access them, it's gonna be increasingly hard for individuals you know, to access them. Everybody do not know someone who's making masks. So that put the people at risk because you can't go and buy them from someone who's making them. Because if you don't know nobody, then you can't buy from somebody. We have a lot of older individuals in this community who are not on things like Facebook and use their stores, their everyday grocery stores. So they wouldn't be able to look up someone on social media to buy a mask from them. So it's putting these people at risk of not being able to access food because I can't even go into my local grocer to do these things. So I called and I explained that to her. I let her know that Judge Adago had not put that order into place at the time they had it up in the window, um, where they can find the latest information as it relates to coronavirus and how they are putting the community at risk with putting measures like this in place before they're actually being announced. And how they're also basically lying on the city of Houston and saying that this is an ordinance that the city of Houston has already put into place. I think also too the economic injustice of the thousand dollar fine. We know that a lot of black and brown folks will be subjected to that fine, can't pay the fine, then the fine turns into a bench warrant. Now I'm in jail where coronavirus has been inside of Harris County jails already, and a lot of officers and inmates have been impacted. So it's a vicious cycle of capitalism to me. It is because I'm already deficit. Are trying to let people out or put people in? Because I'm like, what are we doing? Because uh, did y'all just let people out? Legit? Like, I, I don't know. It, this is just a mess for me. It's, it's, it's... And I think it's interesting that a brown person or a black ex person was the person who thought this was the best possible way um, to move forward. And you know, people in your community, speaking of lead ex people, are also disproportionately marginalized in some of the same ways of Black and African American people. And so we talk about how in, in Harris County, we're trying to end cash bail system with like the, the Black girl magic judges who elected. But things like this will put people at risk of, of being in jail because not having cash fund to get off because some of us just spent the last months and some weeks without jobs and so i'm already at a deficit and trying to make up that money and then i don't have a mask because the beauty supplies are closed and i can't find it and then i have to we have to have food we have to have water we have to have um you know dishwasher because we wash our hands so these things put us increasingly in speaking particularly to black black eggs and other people of color I think that it's funny that instead of it's clear that the system prior pre-corona getting it's clear that the system wasn't working I mean the fact that 
Corona Gannon broke out and we're facing what looks like to be the worst depression that we've had since the Great Depression. Instead of trying to fix the problem from the core, it's like, no, let's let's open up everything. Let's rush and get back to the broke ass system that we had instead of fixing the problem at the core. It's let's put the nation in more debt. Let's create more debt. Let, instead of actually solving the problem of how can we make these companies sustainable? How can we make people's lives sustainable? We're seeing that we can't even close schools down because kids don't have food. They don't have a place to go. They don't even have Wi-Fi computers or internet to be able to access school online. Instead of solving those crucial problems, they just want to open back outside. That's because they're losing money on their end. They're seeing that, you know what, closing off everything and their haphazard reaction to Corona-Geddon has lightened their pockets. So now they want us to go back to work so we can make their money. Like, it, this just doesn't make any sense or whatever. You know what I also find interesting about this? Every day, if, if individuals like you and I are told to, that we need to have six to eight months worth of savings uh -huh. set up in case like this happen, right? And then you have airline industries and uh -huh. companies like Ruth Chris uh -huh. and Steak and Shake who they get millions. Ruth Chris got $20 million from the federal government and literally we've been closed down for a month and two weeks, okay? And they have, a, they got $20 million. Uh-huh. They didn't have six to eight months worth of savings set up and these are people who have um, disposable income, right? Mm -hmm. Struggle sometimes to buy hygiene products, okay? Or to buy food or to have gas or to pay the fucking cable bill, maybe the internet and things like that are insurance. But a company who makes hundreds of thousands of dollars daily does not have six to eight months of disposable income set aside in case something happens to their businesses. But us as everyday individuals who are struggling to make it are required of saying, you know what, Susie Army said this and it kind of pissed me off a little bit. You know, those individuals who don't have six to eight months worth of time, you know, when things go back to normal, you know, they're going to remember like this. Yeah, bitch, you're right. I do remember stuff like this. I remember how last time when Obama was out in office and we had an issue that he did a government bailout. Now we have a whole nother issue and we had another government bailout. I, you're right, sis. I do remember it. And as an individual, I'm told to have six to eight months of a savings set aside for a job that I made 15, when you break it down, even when it's salary, you make 15 to 17 dollars an hour. And that's if you work the eight hours, which a lot of us who work in public health don't work eight hours, we work unconventional hours. So sometimes you do the math, the shit is it's maybe 11 to 10 dollars an hour. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also set aside. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you're perfectly right. And I also think it's really interesting how these companies, if you notice, the shift of their commercials is changing and it's more of, oh, we'll get through this together. We're going to survive this together. We're in this together. Bitch, we're not in this together. We're not. We're not. Folks are dying. 
folks are dying. I don't want to hear about, I don't want to see Alicia Keys sing another song. I don't want to see Beyonce, and I love B, but I don't want to see her sing another song. I want these people to open their pockets, their purses, their wallets, and give money to folks in need. I don't want to hear another tribute. I don't want to see another song. And these capitalists are going to continue, whether they black, white, or, or purple, they're going to continue to eat off the backs of us. And unless we change things, unless we Maria Antoinette some cutting at the source, it's going to continue to happen time and time and time again. And I don't know if we have to strategically attack this via politics. I don't know if we have to attack this via going in the streets. So like, I don't, I don't know how things need to change, but this capitalism system that we are living up under is going to kill us all. Everyone yeah. that lives up under $100,000, it's going to kill us all. And so I definitely think that they're, that they are being irresponsible at this point. A couple ways where we can change it is by registering to vote. And not only when you register to vote, make sure you actually show up to the poll and vote. And another if we're saying, I'm sure for the last up to years, we've been saying that black people make up only 13% of the population. However, I'm almost certain that we are no longer 13% population. I'm almost certain we probably won 13% of the population before then, but it's always historically we have not been adequately accounted in the U.S. system. I think that's very important to make sure that are adequately counted in the U.S. system. That's the best way to account for our, or is our community getting the resources that we need? Are we intentionally going to black and brown communities and, and put parks or community gardens or schools and libraries. Are we being intentional about those things, right? And also, I want to say to Teddy Riley, we are not going up to another uh, competition between you and Babyface, okay? <laughs> we will not show up for a third time, okay? We will not. Babyface, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Hey, you go somewhere to die. <laughs> now. I ain't even saying please. Go sit down. <laughs> oh, so that's the next one about the, uh, what's it called? <laughs> that's the next one. No, I just want to say it because it was something in my speech. She said it just let me think of Teddy Riley, baby face, and how he keep on us coming back for him and this, ba this uh, baby face competition. But he the one keep fucking it up. Baby face internet work just fine. Yeah. But that's how I feel about the Democratic Party. I mean, we're saying show up to the polls, and I'm not, I'm not discouraging voting because, you know, I'm a voter and I want people to go to the polls. But I think the Democratic Party is starting to have an identity issue. And I think that- Party? Lot, huh? Party? I mean, I've been for a long time. <laughs> and I believe that we keep voting these people in the office that are not representing us correctly. And, and they're not having our best interests at heart. And so, I don't know, it's, it's a mess, child. It's a mess. They need to not. Somebody said that they need these rich people not to need not to make it on the song, but donate to churches and properties. No, they don't need to donate to churches either, because as you can see, the church Ooh. in Atlanta, when they was going to use his church to do coronavirus testing, he was going to charge his congregation a hundred and fifty dollars per person to get that test. But all the resources he was being supplied was free. What this is showing, I feel like this is the. Our nation, the world, was 
in a in a very bad space, like just politically, just culture-wise. I feel like this was the hard reset that we needed. And it's unfortunate that lives have had to be lost for this hard reset, but this reset is for people to hopefully wake up and see the old way was not working. The old way has y'all laid off. It has y'all furloughed. It has y'all getting $1,200 and thinking that's supposed to last. It has y'all, you know, in, you know, stuck at home where you're possibly in abusive situations or you're not even stuck at home because you don't have a home. You're not able to get the resources. The, the old system is fucked. It was completely fucked. And I feel like this was to show people just how fucked we were. Now, we're supposed to wake up and there has to be some sort of radical change. Now, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say I'm for violence in the streets, but I don't, I feel like it needs to be something way more radical because I'm sorry, but Democrats, they don't give a fuck either. I, I, white people, rich, rich people don't give a fuck. White people don't give a fuck. Rich white people don't give a fuck. It needs to be something way more radical to get shit change because we after this hard reset where we stuck at home for a month and we don't have no money and no jobs and the economy is fucking we're in a great depression we should not come back the same we need to come back different it needs to be some sort of radical change i don't know what that looks like but i just feel like this is the moment that we are supposed to take to be able to have the hard reset like it's not supposed to go back to the way it was because it wasn't working the way it was, clearly. So we're gonna touch on these last two things and y'all we're gonna do a closing and get on up out of here. So someone, one of the questions that someone said was, you know, there was a lot of people who was dying, kids are going hungry and things like this. And, you know, there's a lot of trauma that's being built and who's going to fix this. My answer to that is, is it's gonna be black and brown people and not in a monetary kind of way. They're gonna pay with it emotionally, for it emotionally, they're gonna pay for it physically, they're gonna pay for it financially. This is gonna be increasing burn on black and brown people, those who are gonna be evicted from their home, those are who are gonna have their lights cut off, those of them who cannot access food and cleaning supplies, those who catch coronavirus and cannot maintain because of that we're going to pay for that long term in our mental health because if you look at any pandemic that has ever come before this and how it's impacted you know black people and brown people we didn't get no mental health for this when you look at the hiv epidemic there wasn't a lot of mental health services that was passed out to black and brown people when the when the pandemic kicked when the epidemic kicked off there was no services in the mental health services in there it was high and if you got a hike, you got HIV, you dying. These are some pamphlets on, on, on why you gonna die. Where's the mental health components in there? Now listen, let me say this. If you are um, receiving if you are receiving right um services, you definitely do have access and you to you and if you're providing to you or why they aren't or why they aren't. And then um, I think it's Lady. Um, he was. Uh, what they were saying. I'm not saying donate to churches for the churches. Oh, they're saying donate to churches so churches can help the community. 
we have thought that be a thing historically where people have donated to churches and churches help communities, right? But we also have saw times where things like this have popped off and the people at the, the uh, mega churches and things like that were nowhere to be found. In fact, people at the mega churches was encouraging people to still come to church and pray the corona right and make sure you bring us their tithes and offerings and things like that. We, and when we were talking about on the culture church, we were talking about the Clark sisters. About six of their bishops bishop died off in a week because they were still having church. So why are we going to say, and I'm not saying what you're saying is, is wrong. I respect your thought process and your opinions, but I don't think it's a bright idea to donate to churches during this time when churches are the people who are encouraging people to still show up after they're contracting coronavirus. And churches are not, historically have not been places that help everybody or they provided help with certain guidance. For example, if you were uh, a trans person and this church offered clothing uh, and things like that, they want to give you clothing based on your born gender and not how you identify currently. So in churches, historically, we have seen barriers um, set up to access to care. Churches has historically not been safe, a safe place for LGBT Black people. And so for us, everyone on this live, you know, every one of the co-hosts, we all identify along that spectrum. And that's not, a, that has historically not been a safe place for us. As someone that does go to church and stuff like that, I believe that the church, this is the time where the church needs to be giving out money to its congregation, where the church should be using the tax breaks and the tax write-offs that they receive every year to be able to donate to its congregation and the people that attend that church. This is the time where they need to use their wealth and their money to be able to give back to us. That's my thought process. And then why we, and, and once again, then we're going to move on, but why are we going to say donate to churches? I know someone locally that lived here in Houston and was going to church faithfully and was on hard times, but they were still going to church. And when they reached out to church to get assistance assistance with things that they was experiencing, like not being able to pay rent, not being able to get foods and things, food and things like that, and, you know, pay their light bills and stuff like that. The pastor told them, well, normally we do have people, but you've been behind on your ties for the last couple months. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to help you. But if I couldn't pay my rent, how could I possibly pay my ties? Well, not, well, not. Matter, cause you're supposed to be able to pay your tithes no matter what. Whatever you get, you're supposed to pay to the Like, let me go. I'm gonna say something reckless with my mouth, so I don't know. Let me let me not comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Adonis brought up earlier that tonight starts Ramadan, so Adonis, can you tell us? Yes, sir. I'm all my Muslim brothers and sisters. So Ramadan for those who do not know. Basically, the means is that we fast for thirty days. I guess um similar to if you're familiar with Lent, we just from eating from sun up to sundown. Um, we make sure that we work on our relationship with God, and what we also almost have to do because it's one of our pillars is provide charity. So during this time, after midnight tonight, we going to fast. So Ramadan starts. Um, make sure you guys are doing what.
what you need to do. This is definitely a uh, we're already fasting from so many things, so it should be easy. However, um, that uh, and you know what, you have to break your fast for whatever reason. Understand it's not perfect. You know, don't feel slighted. So don't feel those you can't start again. But if you can't do it, just make sure you understand. A lot of people right now need it, and regardless. But even outside, just try to make sure because we, we have a lot of idle time now. Even if you're not doing something physically, reach out to someone. Yeah, it's at the midnight. So um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell y'all. We're gonna be hungry, but this ain't nothing new. Um, and in this time. We definitely have so many opportunities that we can optimize and maximize on as far as charity. So, well, they may be either making man do that or a person man. If you can do that, let's donate them to the communities that need outside of need more kids. They say the answer without wearing I don't understand that, especially prior to that. We won't go there. <laughs> Trying to get in the mood, but I just want to say be kind to each other. Um, but this one because we as a people, we're going through this together. It may look like we're definitely coronavirus is affecting us all, it's not discriminating. Let's make sure that we are conscious of that when we are able to see when we want to. Um, it's not even for anybody, so let's just make sure that we're doing the best that we can to protect. So closing thoughts on God. My name is Joelle Adonis then me. Um I would say be kind to each other, be kind to yourself during this season. You do not have to be productive during the pandemic. Love on yourself and make sure you stay in touch with your people. Okay. Joya? Um, I'll just say kind of, I, I completely agree with Marnina. Uh, be kind, practice self-care, whatever self-care is for you. Um, and if you have to venture out, please, please, please respect and be kind and appreciate your essential workers, your grocery store workers, your retail, your fast food, anywhere where you're going, please respect them. It, it, a thank you, just kindness, it goes a long way because people think that essential workers gotta take people's shit. And I, let me not go off on a tangent on that, but I'm just gonna say that just respect them. Like it's, it's a lot, you know, People talk about how they're so mad that they're at home during this. Being at home is a privilege for some because these essential workers, especially black and brown workers, especially black black women, especially older black women, they don't have the luxury of being able to stay at home. They have to leave their home to provide for their families. And, you know, 
the way that people are, you know, risking their health to go do whatever that's not essential, just respect the essential workers. That's really the, the closing remark I have. Um, I'm just posting across anything. The ladies before me said, just, you know, um, I started it back in the day. I, I, I walked, I came across sticks and it always brings to me. And I think it's a lot of Be kind, everyone. <laughs> But somebody to make sure you look out for the next person. You so put that tape in there, press rewind. That means I'm looking out for you now. I ain't getting nothing fooled. Okay. So make sure I, so I go basically be kind of rewind. Rewind and basically the next person that needs to be beat. She brought that. I remember that my aunt used to, baby, one of my aunts, she used to, was a blockbuster ball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my cousin a blockbuster sometime. And she used to tell me, anything you hear. Yeah, yeah. whatever you like. You can get. Did you get videos because you get games. No, she's my cousin. And my cousin, you know, and they, and you know, right before Netflix popped out, Blockbuster had this thing where you can get like, a, it was like you, you can head up to the Blockbuster card, but you can get unlimited movies and games and stuff. But it was like thirty dollars a month or something mm -hmm. like that. Wear it out, wear it out. And the Blockbuster was right down the street too. Baby, they used to wear it out. Do you hear me for that little thirty dollars a month? That's also a problem. Listen, not to get out of the topic while we're about to close out, but never don't dwell in your comfort zone because. Oh, blockbuster! Like we had a lot of nostalgia, but as you see, Netflix came through and stuff. Don't be afraid to go outside your comfort zone and sometimes reinvent yourself. Not surround yourself with yes men. Only thing on the vision, because sometimes it may not even be that far. But there was nothing. Block. There should be no Netflix right now. Blockbuster, the right people. So make sure comfort zone. To grow. I don't necessarily think that they have much control of with the switch to DVDs and the switch to like Never mind, we'll talk about that all out. Not but still could have been in the game. They should have been the They doing Yeah, they could have been the first stream inside high. Oh, but um you know, like I said earlier, this Friday is the Mahogany Project's third anniversary. So we will be doing a virtual anniversary party on the Mahogany Project page, something similar to this. However, it'll be like 15 of us then. Um, and we're going to be joined by a host of our friends and allies who will be joining us and engaging in the conversation and just having an amazing time. Uh, if you're going to join us, make sure that you have an extra mobile device available so that you can go join in on the Kahoot game that we're going to you won't be able to participate on the live and you know chit chat with us and things like everyone else will be doing directly but you can participate in the game that we'll be playing just make sure that you have an extra um electronic uh, device to do so also like i said earlier it's free that we're putting on but we would love for you to donate there is a little button down at the bottom it says donate you can tap it and you can drop a coin we pre we are pre not you know just a coin uh, but we do appreciate all donations and we put all of our donations right back into our programming and the projects that we present here at the Mahogany Project. 
Um, and just make sure you're following our page at, you know, The Mahogany Project on Facebook, on Instagram, at Twitter, and just stay tuned to all the amazing things that we do. Um, my final thoughts would be Carol Patrick, you kill Don. I'm going to keep saying it. Put a little sardine oil on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she fed him. She fed him to the about on tigers, and you can't convince me otherwise. Um, if you have, if you need are in the need of in need of condoms and lube, feel free to reach out. We still have those items available to you. Um, or you someone who have information need information about where to get tested and things like that, feel free to reach out as well. Um, if you're someone who are in need of your um antiretroviral medicine and you would like to get that um, milk to you instead of still having to go out to the CVS to pick it up even if it's just a drive through we can help you start getting that mail directly to your home. Um, so reach out via our inbox and we can help you with that. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Oh, um, the same emergency we will be providing masks. If you guys need masks, cloth masks, please hit us up. We will be passing them out as soon as um, our seamstresses don't. Please, if you need them or you're interested in them, please hit me up. We can. Okay. So, uh, or if you want to hit me up on Facebook, highlight a player with series. Hilda, husband, whacking. Wack. <laughs> she fed up to the tigers, they smack it. Bring my boy Joe. Oh, and don't eat off the meat truck. Do, do, ooh, do not eat off the meat truck, okay? But thank you guys so much for joining us. We had an amazing time. We hope you had an amazing time as well. You know, you can always find us here two weeks from now. We'll be doing the same thing, but not having the same conversation. I am Bernice McFarlane. I am a the Adonis Orlean. It's a lame dude. All the same. Marnita the Queen on all social media platforms. It's your girl, Joelle, a.k.a. your man's first choice on IG. Okay. She's speaking to that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can find us out to find us here two weeks from today. But you can also catch us Friday at the same place. All you gotta do is go up to the Mahogany Project page, like it, and be ready Friday for me and 15 other people to kick it off and pop it off. They gonna be here too, y'all. So I mean, if you want to see Joe L and Adonis and Marnita too, <laughs> you can show up and show up. Um, but we'll see you guys then. Y'all have a great night. Don't get done. Bye. Don't get done.